Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to episode number 76 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment solicitor and HR specialist, and I run Real Employment Law Advice, which is a solicitor's firm providing advice to employers and employees on all aspects of employment law. This is episode 76 of the podcast, but we are actually in episode two of a mini-series covering mental health at work. In the last episode, I covered stress at work and the ways to spot stress at work and what causes it. So if you're interested and you didn't listen to that one, you can go back and listen to that one again. You don't have to listen to that before this episode, but if you're interested in stress at work, you can go back and listen to that one. This week, I'm going to be following on with the legal considerations and how to determine as an employer if you have an obligation in relation to the Equality Act for somebody who has mental health issues. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's content. Now, establishing if an employee has a disability for the purposes of the Equality Act can be really hard anyway, no matter what the condition is. But with mental impairments, it can be much harder to identify, to find out if somebody actually has a a mental impairment in the first place and then to establish if it's a disability because quite often it's, you know, hidden or you can't really see it. It's not obvious. And in not all cases are employees happy to disclose those issues to you at the outset. So it can be really hard for employers to understand where their duty lies. But for a little bit of background, I thought I'd just explain to you what the Equality Act says about uh, the definition of a disabled person. And then I'll talk to you about what the Equality and Human Rights Commission code also says. And then I'll go on to talk about some of your obligations once you establish you have an employee who has a disability, whatever that might be, um, but particularly focused on mental health issues. So helpfully, the Equality Act has a definition of a disabled person and that states that if the person has a physical or mental impairment and the impairment has a substantial and long-term adverse effect on his ability to carry out normal day-to-day activities, then they would be classed as a disabled person for the purposes of the Equality Act. When it comes to a mental impairment, the Equality and Human Rights Commission code states that the term mental impairment covers a wide range of impairments relating to mental functioning, including what are often known as learning disabilities. So it can cover a wide range of conditions as long as they are substantial and have a long-term adverse effect on day-to-day activities. In a situation where the employee's uh, mental impairment, mental health condition is disputed or it's disputed as to whether that would be a disability or not, the focus is often looked at on the effect the impairment has on their day-to-day activities. So what effect would that have on them, for example, if they weren't taking medication? And if it's an adverse one and it's long-term and it's likely to be long-term, then it would certainly fall under the definition of a disabled person. Now, often what happens in a claim for disability discrimination, uh, particularly where it's a mental impairment, if there isn't clear medical evidence at the outset, employers will often dispute disability and dispute that the employee has a, a disability for the purposes of the Equality Act. 
And therefore, in that situation, burden is on the employee to show that they have a disability and they will then have to obtain medical um, evidence. And if it continues to be disputed, then it will be decided at the employment tribunal on the basis of medical evidence. Now, in many cases I deal with, it's often fairly obvious that somebody has a disability uh, or it's conceded fairly early on that the um, medical evidence supports that they have a disability. Often, if you obtain an occupational health report, one of the questions that are asked is, uh, does the occupational health professional consider them to have a disability for the purposes of the Equality Act? And that gives a flavour of whether it's likely that the employee would pass that medical test, if you like, for the purposes of the disability discrimination claim, for example. So that's a situation where there is a litigation, so where there's a claim, for example. But what I would say to you is, on a day-to-day basis, where an employee tells you that they are disabled, or they tell you that they have a particular condition, or that they're on medication, or that it's long-term, then my best advice to you is to assume that they would be a disabled person and to behave accordingly. It's much better to deal with it early on than not deal with it in the most appropriate way and then try to backtrack later on and say, well, actually, they're not a disabled person. You'll be fulfilling your obligations to the employee and as a good employer as well by uh, assuming that they are a disabled person. Of course, where issues arise and you're unsure about how to deal with it, the best thing to do is to get an occupational health report and again, ask one of those questions to find out what what your legal obligation would be. Now, I need to just emphasise here that there is a distinction and there has been a distinction drawn in the employment tribunal and employment tribunal cases between the symptoms caused by clinical depression and those from work stress or work issues. Quite often, work stress or the symptoms of work stress and work-related issues will not be a disability. They will not meet the definition of a disabled person. So that's where we were talking about last week, where work is the cause of the stress. Quite often, what happens if there is a particular performance issue at work or an employee is put through um, a disability, plenary or something like that or there's a fallout with their manager they will often be signed off from work with work-related stress. Now in those circumstances often you'll find that actually the medical professionals will say once the work-related issue has been resolved then the employee will be better and will be able to return to work. So in that situation, it's not likely that they would be a disabled person. There are situations where it can develop into clinical depression or more serious conditions that are long-term and adverse. So it's not to say it won't always result in them being a disabled person, but in most cases, if somebody's off just merely with work-related stress, that wouldn't mean that they trigger the reasonable adjustments or the additional protection that comes under the Equality Act for a disabled person. So it's important to know that distinction. What can also happen in relation to disability and mental health conditions is that employees don't always disclose them to their employer. So they don't come out and say, I have a disability or I suffer with clinical depression or I have been diagnosed with this or that. And for whatever reason, they might be embarrassed, they might be afraid of um, detrimental treatment or the stigma that comes with it. But for whatever reason, they don't. So they don't disclose that they've got that condition, but they do display symptoms and they do tell you things. So they say, you know, they're on medication or that they've been seeing a counsellor or that they've had a history of depression. They might drop those sorts of things in. Now, in that situation, you don't have 
explicit knowledge that they have this condition or that they could be a disabled person. But you could know um, by reason of the fact that a reasonable person would uh, understand that they have or they are likely to have a disability. So what I'm saying here is that it's not always a defence to a claim for disability discrimination to say that I didn't know, they never actually told me they were disabled. If you ought to have known or ought reasonably to have known that they were disabled, then you will have been deemed to have that knowledge. So I'm just saying here, ignorance is no defence if it was obvious that you should have known. And that could be where you have employees who, as I say, make sort of drop in things to you or they start displaying a pattern of behaviour or they are signed off work and, um, you know, it's inconsistence, that kind of thing. If you have any issue or you think that one of your employees might have a mental impairment or a mental health condition, then it's really important that you speak to them in confidence, of course, and where necessary, obtain some medical advice or medical opinion so that you can be sure of what your obligations are. So don't just bury your head in the sand because they haven't disclosed to you the full details of their condition. So what are your obligations then to an employee who has a mental health condition which is deemed to be a disability? Well, you have to make reasonable adjustments for them so that they're not placed at a disadvantage compared to their non-disabled colleagues. And the kind of reasonable adjustments you can make will vary depending on the employee's condition, the effect that it has on them on a day-to-day basis. But some of the things that you could consider are, and that have been considered by employers in the past, are you know, particularly for conditions with anxiety or depression, um, are, you know, changing their hours, so reducing their hours, changing their hours, so maybe they, they start later and finish later or finish earlier, giving them um, more time to do tasks, because if they are having a particularly bad time of things, you might decide actually we're going to give them a little bit more time to do that than we would others. You could give them additional supervision and support um, and you could also provide them with a mentor or support person and as I say the reasonable adjustments that you'll need to make will vary depending on the person and there might not be any that you need to make immediately or it might might be that um, as their job evolves or their condition changes that you need to look at those again but anywhere that you are uncertain or the employee's not really forthcoming about their condition or what could be done then it's certainly worth obtaining some advice from an occupational health professional or from their GP. And then of course you have the normal obligations not to treat them to their detriment or to dismiss an employee because of their disability. And this can be a case where employers do fall down in that they will make a decision about a person and perhaps, for example, an employee who's been employed for less than two years who's not quite up to the job or isn't performing Um, to the best of their ability is dismissed without following a performance plan or without disciplinaries or warnings and that sort of thing and if the person has a disability and the reason for their treatment is their disability then they may very well have a claim for disability discrimination because as you probably know discrimination rights are a day one right which means employees have the ability to enforce those rights from the first day of their employment. So for loads of reasons already explained, it's really important for you as an employer to have a really good understanding about mental health conditions and the impact that they have on employees at work and also on your legal obligations. 
Hopefully that's given you a little overview about what your legal obligations are. Of course, if you do want any more information or you'd like to discuss a specific situation, you can get in touch with me directly. My email is alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk. Alternatively, you can go onto our website, adviceforemployers.co.uk, where you'll find lots of resources and information to assist you. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be continuing with this series in two weeks' time when we're back to our fortnightly schedule. And hopefully you've enjoyed the podcast and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.